Hey everyone, welcome back to the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host Alex Metzger, along with me is my co-host Chase McCallum, and today we are going to be breaking down the top 20 wingers in the league. Um, we did the top 20 centers what was last week, which will probably be yesterday if this gets out on time. I'm planning on having this published either Thursday or Friday. Uh, I unfortunately didn't get around to the other one till last week, and um, people might notice that at the beginning of last week's podcast, they said, we don't have a ton of news to talk about. Uh, well, that's kind of changed. Uh, so we do have some signings to go over quickly um, before we get into our list here. Um, there's about seven or eight that have happened that are definitely noteworthy in terms of at least money that I want to go over. And this is going to be a lot quicker than maybe past episodes that we've done on them because it's just going to be acknowledging that they've signed giving our quick thoughts, but then I think the more detailed one will come in about a month when we do our, our season previews and stuff, obviously. But the first big one I don't think we actually got to was John Klingberg did the Anaheim Ducks. One year, $7 million. Yeah, I don't think we did. This was uh, this was a weird contract. Yeah, it's, uh, it's clear that the market kind of dried up for him. Um, no one was really willing to give him that seven-year deal he was looking for. And then a report came out that Dallas had offered like eight by seven and a half, I think. And that kind of explains why Klingberg fired his agent about two weeks ago. Yep. That is an absurd amount of money to have lit on fire. I don't. And so I go back and forth on this because a, I don't know what the agent was thinking that he thought that Klingberg had a bigger market than that. Yeah. That's a, that's aggressive. But at the same time, as the player, you got to have an ounce of awareness as well, don't you? Like, Yeah, it's got to be at least a little bit on you. Because yeah, like, I, I get like you have the agent in there to you know try and take away some of the personal aspect of it, and you're going to want to get paid. But like, you got to just see what other people are signing for and realize, hey, like your performance just hasn't been as good as the people making $9 million or whatever. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's still your life. You got to be able to... Like how many millions of dollars that could end up costing them? It's not like it would take more than what two hours on decently like a smart Google search to figure that out. Yeah, and like especially coming from Dallas, where there's and taxes are a little overrated, but like you got offered close to sixty million dollars to just go play in a tax-free state for eight years. Yeah, like I. I, I feel for him in a way, but you got to have some self-awareness here. Absolutely. Um, in terms of the actual fit, I really don't mind it on a one-way, like a one-year seven mil. Like, he's still getting seven mil. That's good. And Anaheim's probably one of those few spots that kind of makes sense for him to go. He can go run power play one as the top right-handed D. You know, he can help their younger guys as well. Like, he can kind of coach Drysdale to be what, you know, like they kind of brought Shattenkirk in for the same idea, but now they can run Klingberg, Shattenkirk, and Drysdale down the right side. You don't have to force feed, force feed Drysdale these top pair of minutes that he didn't look ready for. Yeah, that's where I think the biggest win of this signing is because Drysdale's been getting kind of killed out there, at least defensively. It's going to be very clear that Klingberg will also get killed defensively, but you don't really care if you ruin Klingberg's development as a hockey player. Yeah, exactly. Klingberg getting caved in defensively probably doesn't ruin anything for him in terms of development. He's developed at this point, right? So yeah, he's 29. exactly. And how even if it does ruin something for him developmentally, this is going to sound really cruel, but if you're the 
Dell or the Ducks? It's not your problem then. Very quickly. No, so who cares? No, it really isn't. And and for both, like the Ducks are going to be able to just probably eat half his salary and flip him at the deadline. And Klingberg will get to go to a competitor at the deadline and hope to keep rebuilding his value in a playoff run. Yeah. Yeah. Works well for him. So should be able to uh should be able to get some points with the young forwards there and whatnot. Yeah, I think so. You know, bad situation, obviously, in terms of what it could have been, but in terms of if you considering everything else that happened before a sunk cost, then fine. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Once you get past that part, then it's then it's fine. Yep. Um, all right, Calgary made a trio of signings. One we will get to in a little bit because he will definitely be on our list that we're getting to. Um, two others, Oliver Shillington, he signed for two years, $2.5 million. Uh, I think this walks him right to UFA. I, I don't mind the contract for Calgary. I, I like it for Shillington a lot. Like I think, you know, two point, I think for Calgary 2.5, you're probably going to get more value than that for this two year deal, but then you're really going to have to pay him. If you do get that value when he turns 27, if you want to keep him. Yeah. Um, it's. It seems like a, a decent move for now, at least because they have a feeling they think their window's longer than it is, but this fits their window really, their actual window very well. I think it's pretty bad for their perceived window. They seem to think they're going to be competitive long term. And obviously, you'd want to get your term now, but for the next two years, it's great. Yeah. And for Shillington, I actually really love this deal. Um, you know, he's going to be criminally underpaid, I think, for the next two years. Like he was, he had a really strong season last year. He, um, he was fantastic. Now, granted, that was the first time we've seen that really out of him. Um, yeah. Like he hadn't been good for previous, and he's already 25. So I am willing to hear that, you know, for Calgary, why would you want to commit to a guy we've seen 1,200 good minutes of and then. 3,000 bad minutes of maybe not quite 3,000, but 400. Yeah, so well, almost 500. Small sample when he's been bad. Yeah, 1,100. Yeah, it's been, it's been about 1,300 minutes. So it's been about equal good and equal bad in terms of sample size. Yeah. But, yeah, it basically depends. Like, how real do you think those AHL results and like prospect results were? Yeah, but for Chillington, like, I, I like this deal because I think if you know, I, there's no, as a player, you kind of have to bet on yourself and you're still getting $5 million over the next two years to do that. And if you do kill it, like, you know, he probably thinks he can, he's going to set himself up for a massive payday in UFA. Oh, absolutely. He seems like the kind of guy who's primed to just get grossly overpaid. Not that he's, I think he's a bad, I think he's a very good player, but somebody's going to try to make him their like number one if all goes according to plan after being like a five. And those those tend not to go well. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then the other deal they signed was Andrew Mangiapane, uh, three years, 5.8 per. Uh, this is a guy you were really high on, I think, before anyone really that I had seen around. Um, that was league. big on this guy forever ago. I think this is fair value. He didn't really, he definitely broke out in terms of like a nice player to watch. And he is like a, a solid second line player. Um, but it's not like he's a point per game guy or anything like that. No, although I would, his kind of breakout, like it's kind of trendy and hip to like him in the stats community now. I'll bet you his point totals go way up with the no with the restructuring of the forwards in Calgary, because they kind of needed to, like they can't afford to use them the way they were previously using them now. Yeah, probably. He did have 35 goals last year and only 55 points. I'm going to be interested to see if that stays. 
I'm just looking at his shooting percentage from last year. He shot 19%. Granted, the year before he shot 19.8. So he's got a career 17% shooting percentage. I'll be interested to keep, you know, just kind of keep track of that if because 35 goals and 20 assists, you would assume even if the goals take a dip, you would assume the assists would probably increase a bit from just 20 assists. I would think so. Because he's he's got to be moving up the lineup, right? Oh, absolutely. At least time on ice, even if he doesn't specifically like take to Chuck's spot or whatever, he'll just get more power play time and all that will trickle down. I would think. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, yeah, I, fine contract. Like I don't have any. Again, takes him till he's twenty nine. I think that's fine for the three years. I honestly think that's kind of good for their window. Yep. Yeah, who <laughs> said it's good for the. It's good for their actual window. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. And then there's just a handful of other contracts. Uh, tell me if you have any hot takes on any of these. Jesper Bratt, one year, $5.4 million. Miles Wood, one year, $3.2 million. Kyler Yamamoto, two years, 3.1 per. Um, all those seem fair. Bratt, yeah. I was a little surprised they only went one year with. Yeah, I would have been trying to get term on Brad. We'll talk to Brad because uh, on top 20's wingers list, maybe spoiler there. Interesting. Nice. That yeah. looked, well, I can. Yamamoto was one that floored me, though. Like when I. So I have a playoff model now and it loved him. That is literally the only thing good thing I've ever seen about Yamamoto. And I saw people pissed that they didn't get more term on that. It was like. If that's the only good thing you've ever done, I'm not sure it's like a slam dunk. You should be trying to get massive term on this guy. The narratives on Yamamoto versus Puyarvi are like, they're flipped for what the results seem to be, in my opinion. Yes, that is a very good way to put it. Even from like, like we have a Oilers for the listeners, we have an Oilers friend, uh, his name's Vinny. And like Vinny loves Yamamoto. And it's the same with he's like, oh, Puyarvi's expendable. It's like, okay, but like, Yamamoto also only had 41 points in 81 games. 20 of those just happened to be goals. Yeah, like, I think Yamamoto's... That's a good way of putting it. It's like he's stealing Puyarvi's Puyarvi's credit or whatever. Yeah, like... It's a fine contract. Like, he's worth 3.1. You'll pay $3.1 million for a 41-point winger any day, but... Yeah, yeah, that's good. It's not crazy, but... No, um, Mario Ferraro, four years, 3.25. I don't understand what the Sharks are doing. Ferraro's a, like, he's fine. This team just seems so destined to be the 25th best team for the next, like, decade, though. If you put that Ferraro contract just on paper with no name attached, I feel like a lot of people would be like, who gave Lou cap space? Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> that's all I could think of when it got signed. Like, you know what? I- I don't even take him. He's not fine. He's he's pretty he's pretty bad. Yeah, he's not. <laughs> he had worse results. I yeah, like that's um, I don't. Yeah, that's not a great contract at all. It's a pretty big bet that your team is just so horrible. Uh, the results can be excused by that, I guess. Yeah, and like uh, the reason I don't care about it is because I think their team's gonna be horrible for the duration of this contract. <laughs> but oh, it won't matter. But uh, <laughs> it was still. A, really unnecessary like surely there has to be better ways to spend that money spend it on like a power skating coach full-time for <laughs> william ackland or something yeah yeah i yeah i uh, i don't really know what else to say to be honest yeah 
Um, <laughs> that was a fun one. All right, a trio of um, Boston guys signed as well. Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci. So they're one and two centers, both 36 years old. Uh, obviously, Bergeron on our top centers list. If you haven't listened to that episode, go do it. I'll give you a spoiler. I'll give everyone a spoiler, though. He was top five on both of our lists. Um, so, uh, you know, that's to get him for 2.5 base salary. Okay, no, it's $5 million. Let's be honest. It's I five, yeah. hated all the takes of... They got uh, they got Krejci and Bergeron for three point five base salary combined. It's like okay, yes, but the fucking bonus on Bergeron's contract is he needs to play ten games. So either he plays so few games, it's not actually a good contract, or it's a five million dollar contract. There's no in between there. Yeah, like I just. And I, I didn't even see um, – yeah, and Krejci's the exact same thing. One mil at 10 games played, 500K at 20 games played. And then 500K bonus if they earn for playoffs. But, like, so he's he's not at 1.5, he's at 2.5, which is still probably good value. And even Bergeron at 5 million is still great value. But yeah. this – The Bergeron one's nearly guaranteed great value. Krejci one's a little cl- closer to a coin flip, but still – Sure, you but I'd, I'd be yeah, I'd be willing to make that bet. I'd take Krejci at two point five million dollars any day. They don't have another choice either. No, worst case scenario, you bury him down the lineup, and there you go. Right, like yeah, worst case scenario, you dump all your picks for a second line center because you're clearly screwed after this year, anyways. Yeah, um, <laughs> I just I hated the, the that's my only take. We kind of knew, especially the Bergeron one, we knew that contract was going to get signed. My only take on it was I hated the bending. It had to do, we had to do, um, or see, sorry, of people being like, can you believe the discount they got on this? It's like, oh my God. Yeah, that was a tough one to see. I will say, we talked about this in DMs a little. That's a cool contract. I'm floored that nobody else does that. Yeah, so for anyone who doesn't know, it's the same idea with rookie contracts, basically, where so Boston doesn't actually have the cap space this year that if they hit those bonuses, they'll be over. What happens is it transfers onto the cap next year. And that's the same with like rookie bonuses, right? And so, you know, like when, I don't know, let's say Shane Wright, I don't, he, I don't know what rookie bonus he has in his contract, but let's say he's got a bonus for hitting 30 points in his rookie season or whatever. If Seattle doesn't have the cap space to pay it out, it transfers on to the next year. I think it might even for some automatically too. Um but so the team just has to take that cap hit next year. This is the same idea. Boston will take the cap hit next year, which basically means they're probably going to punt next year if they're having five, $4 million in cap hit, but they don't care because this is the best year to go for it. They're probably all in on this year. I would imagine Bergeron is actually done after this year. Yeah, I would think so. If he's signing a one year. Also, just look at their cap sheet. Like It seems like they know what's coming. They have so many contracts up on them immediately. Yeah, the only players signed in the next year are Marchand, Hall, Coyle, DeBrusque on forward, and Oscar Steen, I guess. Everyone else is a UFA or an RFA. And then their blue line is signed for next year. But then two years from now, four of their seven defensemen are unsigned. So yeah, they only have right. they have seven guys with more than two years of term. And their goalie, Linus Hallmark. But yeah, it's, they, they know what they are. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, and then the only other thing, so the, the third contract was Pavel Zaka signed a one-year deal, $3.5 million. The quote I got a kick out of was someone asked him about like the rest of the Bruins taking discounts or whatever, like Bergeron takes a discount, Marshawn's a steal. I'm like, are we supposed to present that the Zaka contract is also a discount? Because this is not a discount compared to the other contracts that are signed. No, it is absolutely not a discount. It was funny though, as if it's, he's. It, it would be the best just to say that because yeah, he, he like answered the question too. He's like, "Oh yeah, it like motivates you to like be a team player or whatever." It's like, well, you didn't take less, so. <laughs> well, people um, just believe it. You can just say that shit. You're oh, allowed yeah, to. People eat people that. Just believe you. Oh yeah, they they eat that stuff up. So yeah. Um, Nicholas Waugh got a contract in Vegas. Uh, it is five years, I believe. Uh, yeah, five years, $3 million. I really like this contract. Yeah, I liked it too. This was very Vegas. They're broke and they're like, screw it. We're giving term man money. Yeah, and like, I think this is, if you're going to bet on a guy, this is it. Like he's had good results every year he's played. They vary yeah, what results they are. But, you know, generally speaking, he's had really, really good offensive driving numbers. You know, since his offense picked up, his defense has declined a little bit, but he's not like horrible defensively or anything. Like, I really like, I really like this contract. Yeah, it's a great bet, especially when that AUV is so low, right? Like, even if he, it's not like he needs to take even a step. For that, a that's the thing game. is if he's just a third line player, you're still getting value out of this. Yeah. And, you know, everything under his results kind of suggests he's at least a third, probably a second liner. Like, yep. Yeah, so, and even if he's a good third liner, you're fine with that. Yeah, exactly. Like, and honestly, on the other side, if this is somehow the biggest disaster, he just turns into the the worst forward in the entirety of the NHL. After two years, you could get a team to eat three million dollars of salary for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You give and up, I just want a second round pick. And yeah, like I just don't see that happening anyway. So yeah. Um, and then the last contract I want to touch on real quick, Martin uh, Nikash. He signs two years, $3 million with the Carolina Hurricanes. That seems about right, I think. Yep. Yep. Highly drafted player. He's been pretty underwhelming, I'd say, but again, he it's so cheap. That's fine. He hasn't lived up to his potential, that's for sure. But, like, he's been a fine player. Like, again, he's probably like a third liner, give or take. And at $3 million, that's kind of all you're – asking for now it'll be interesting because they might need him to be more than a third liner this year and that will be a question of whether he could do that or not yeah that would be very interesting i uh i'm not sure he can but it'll be it'll be fun to watch at least yep i agree um okay let's get into our wingers list then shall we let's do it all right, I this was a hard list. Before we get started, a couple like macro things that I'm assuming you probably found as well. One point per game winger does not mean the same thing it does as it did even a couple years ago. No, this has been we are very far away from uh, what's his name Ben winning the Art Ross. Yeah, yeah like 85 points or whatever it was. Yeah, this year, this past year especially, there were so many point-per-game, or close to point-per-game guys. Um, the other thing, there was two things. This was the hardest list, obviously. There's just so many wingers. We say this every year where, like, obviously centers, it's only one position. So 
there's 32 top centers. There's technically 64 top wingers and top line wingers in this league. Right. So we're trying yep. to get the best 20. Um, I started with a list of 10. I needed to have somewhere on the list. I felt, and then I had 30 other names for the other 10 spots somewhere on my list. And I chopped, so I had 40 names total. Basically I chopped 10 of them off pretty easily, but like, I have five honorable mentions here where I feel like all of them should be in the top 20. I just could not put a spot. And I even cut four or five more guys off where I really wanted them to be somewhere near the top 20 and I just couldn't do it. Yeah. I have a full tier of players that are all the exact same player in my mind. They're all in their mid twenties and the exact same guy. And it was just to pick them, <laughs> put whichever <laughs> ones where I, yeah. I forgot about a couple older guys who I had to slide on but literally I had eight names in a row who were all like 23 to 28. And I was like, these are all just analytics, darlings, uh, lovable guys, They're the same player completely, but you just pick whichever one you like the most basically. Yeah, for sure. And like, even like I, I fully admit, I forgot Jesper Brad. He's not, uh, not even on my list. Yeah, that's fair. I have but, him. Uh, oh, it starts somewhere. I'm 20. Okay. Yeah. So like, good, like that's a very fine player. And I have no objections to that in terms of like, he was again a point, almost a point per game winger last year. Yeah, and a ridiculous play driver. Yep, like um, he, uh, he was the best devil last year. I know Hughes got a lot of love. It was it was Jesper Bratt. Yeah, exactly. And like you know, he had kind of been building for this a couple of years. Like three years ago, he had thirty two points in sixty games. I believe he had like decent underlying numbers, but like the points just weren't there last year. He had 30 points in 46 games. So it doesn't look like an improvement, but it definitely is a point per game basis. And then this year he finally put it all together and burst on the scene. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, like that's a great pick. And then the other thing I want to say was that this feels like the most volatility in the, in the list that we're going to do. Like we kind of mentioned last week, a lot of the centers, there was definitely some, you know, near the bottom, especially near like the, the 20 mark maybe or so that, uh, you know, changed a little bit, but my God, the, uh, the wingers, like there's, there's guys this year that I had my top five that I, you could make an argument might not even been like top 20 this year. Like, yeah. It, I had it a guy crazy. who went from eight to 16 and he was fantastic last year and he's been fantastic every other year he's played. I just, <laughs> Yeah, I have I, because I know your list from last year. I have, you know, it's that same guy took dropped about six spots on my list too. So, um, yeah. I guess let's quickly go through. We talked about Brad quickly, we got honorable mentions as well. I'll go through the list from last year. Um, so I had Marshan one, Panarin two, Stone three, Kucherov four, Pasternak five, Huberto six, Rantanen seven, Marner eight, Ehlers, Kaprasov, Bujnevich, Svechnikov, Pacioretty, Matthew Kachuk. William Nylander, Gabriel Landeskog, Travis Konechny, Alex Dorinkit, Claude Giroux, Patrick Kane. And then I had Besser, Ovechkin, Goudreau, Perron, Verana, Hall as my honorable mentions. So I didn't have Johnny Goudreau is the massive, and Ovechkin probably for a lot too. You had Kucherov 1, Stone 2, Panarin 3, Marchand 4, Pasternak 5, Marner, Rantany, Ehlers, Huberto, Giroux, Goudreau, Pacioretty, Gallagher, Pavelski, Bjorkstrand, Nylander, Debrinket, Patrick Kane, Vrana, Landeskog. Now, a couple things here. One, I forgot uh, about Gallagher, and I also had Pavelski as a centerman. Um, you forgot about Svechnikov on the list last year. So a couple of the guys on the list here. And then did I, I put Kaprizov too, or did I just? 
Um, I think you might have just wanted to see another sample. I, no, I think you did forget about him, actually. Now they say that. Honorable mentions, you had Taylor Hall, Matthew Kachuk, Kevin Fiala. Then you threw in a bunch of names like Tatar, Foley, Oshie, Bujnevich, Mantha. Um, so a couple of guys on the list here. Pacioretty was one I left off. Yeah, I did too. Especially when he, he just got hurt today. I would say, so that was, I want to bring that up because that's more news. So he's out six months with another injury. He missed a bunch of time last year and just hasn't been able to stay healthy. That's been the biggest reason I left him off. He's still been really good when he's been healthy. He just has not had the health aspect of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's, he's at the age where we got to stop just assuming he's going to be healthy, right? Which is too yep. bad because he's yep. a great player. And Svechnikov is, I'm going to, did you have him on your list? This year? Yep. Okay, I did not. He fell okay. a long way for me. Um, he was kind of on my... He was I definitely he was on pretty my, good last year. He was, like, fine, but I, we'll, we'll, we'll get to it when we, you bring him up then. Because he was definitely okay. on my list of, like, in my top 30. I just, I didn't know. I couldn't put him against any of the names I had. But, all right, let's start with honorable mentions. I'm going to get two that people are probably going to be pretty pissed about. Alex of, Alexander Ovechkin okay, and Kyle so Okay, I didn't even consider Connor. I have Kane. I thought is the other name you're gonna. Okay, say. I I do have Kane on my list, but okay, we'll yeah. save Kane then. Okay, but we both have to be off. Yeah, I I really want Ovechkin to be even twenty, and I just couldn't do it, man. Like his point totals are there, but he's just he just doesn't do anything. Like he doesn't play any defense, and I get it. He's still amazing at goal scoring, and that's still valuable. But there, there's a reason I have twenty more valuable wingers than him. Yeah, like let's even say, and this would this would make a lot of people like spit their drink out. Like Jesper Bratt scored a similar amount of points to Ovi, and he did it while being far more of it at five on five, which is more valuable, while being an amazing defensive player and great play driver. Ovi, on the other hand, is like the worst defensive player of the generation. Yep, like, and that's compared to Jesper Bratt. Like, how are you going to make it on the list if? That's a tough argument to make. Yep. But, you know, people will see, oh, he scored 50 goals. He must still be unreal. And, like, yes, like calling him the 22nd best winger in the league shouldn't be an insult. No, it shouldn't be. 37 years old. Yeah. And, like, the the funniest is when you dock him on these lists. People are like, oh, watch the games. It's like if you spend any time watching hockey, it is clear Alex Ovechkin is a train wreck defensively and not what he used to be at any aspect of the game except for standing still and swinging his stick in a shooting motion. Yeah, that's fine. He's 37. He shouldn't be as good as that stuff as he was, but it's or 36, but it's just true. Yep, exactly. I, I fully agree. Um, so like I, 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 I feel believe- like I'm watching a different sport when people are like, oh, He's actually still like a top ten player. So he's that's very you know, clearly the not. people who scream watch the game don't actually watch the game. They just sort by goals and points on a point sheet, yeah. and that's how they watch the game. Or they see him on Sportsnet every morning. Yeah, or yeah, they watch the highlights on Sportsnet every morning. Yeah, it's like there's more. Like he's he's probably still a top ten player on the power play in the league or something crazy like that. And we haven't even measured gravity yet, which I'm sure he's great at. But beyond that, just doesn't offer as much as he used to. No. Um, so um, the other three names I had as honorable mention, again, all of these guys I felt like should have been in the top 20. Uh, Gabriel Landeskog, he just, it was kind of hurt a lot last year. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I kind of, yeah, I knocked him points. Uh, Claude Giroux was one I really wanted to have, obviously being a Sen now. Uh, he was a 19 for me last year. 
And I think you had him as a center. No, you had him up at 10, actually. You were really high on him last year. Um, he was another name where I wanted him in the top 20, just a little outside for me. He's still a very good player, but, you know, he was under point per game this year. And most of the guys had, you know, as high of like a goals above replacement as him or more points or both. Um, so he was just off the list. And Philip Forsberg, uh, really great season last year, but I just, I want to see it again before I put it. He had two or three just mass seasons before that. I don't think he's quite a top 20 guy, but he had a top 20 season last year. Yeah, absolutely. I had Forsberg on the outside looking into because I would be really surprised if he repeats it, but, you know, good for him if he does. Yeah. Um, did you have any other honorable mentions? Yeah, I had a bunch of guys who I think anybody could have on. These are the guys who are in the exact tier of players that uh, I mentioned earlier. I have like... Mangiapane, Timu Meyer is one of these guys, Jake Gensel, Kairou, Troy Terry, and Bjorkstrand. Just the glut of analytic darling 25-ish wingers. Yep, so I have two of those names on my list, and we will get to them very, very quickly because they are right at the bottom of my list. Yeah, Um, they're all the same player. (laughs) Yeah, literally. like To the point where I had a hard time discerning most of them, to be honest. Like, yeah. I, I threw four of them in a row almost because they felt like very similar players to me. So, Manji Apane, Meyer, Kairu, Bjorkstrand. Uh, who's the other one, sorry? Gensel and Meyer. Gensel. And, yeah, and so Gensel was another one that um, I had on my top 30 list. I wanted to have him on, but he ended up ranking like 28th for me or so. Yeah, which is, you know, fair enough. Yeah, He's not um, so- a great defensive player either, so. Yeah. Um, so you had Jesper Bratt as your 20th. I had Jordan Cairo, uh, yep. honorable mention, obviously, there for you. Um, the biggest reason I put him down, uh, maybe a couple names that I had right ahead of him, was um, simply because we just haven't seen it as much as some other names. Yeah, that's the big thing with him. Similar to, he reminds me of Robert Thomas, just a little bit less extreme. If he does yeah. it again, I'm sure he'll be well on this list next year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, he had 75 points in 74 games, was, um, you know, good underlying numbers as well. Like, his goals above replacement and everything like that was was very solid. Um, but, yeah, it's just – it's been one year. So, you know, I, I think he's been good enough and has the pedigree where, you know, I, I felt good to put him as a top 20 winger, but I want to see it again. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, he's in that tier. Hold on. Like, if if you think Kairu's better than Brad, like, yeah, <laughs> sure. They're yeah. the same to me. And then the guy I had right ahead of him was one Timo Meyer. Yep. Yeah. Again, <laughs> Timo Meyer is just brat, but two years older, right? Yeah. Exactly. And like Timo Meyer's play driving, I, I debated bumping Timo Meyer up a spot or two because his play driving numbers this year were insane. Like they were yeah. really, really good. But again, it's the first year we've seen that aggressively good play driving numbers out of it. Yeah, exactly. He's been he's been like a stats god for some time, but, but like this, yeah, this year was just on a different level. Where I think if he can back that up again, like he's another guy who I could see shooting up into like the ten to twelve area next year. Yeah, he's because, a, like, he has a similar profile to like a Svechnikov to me. Yeah, like his like evolving or hockey vis loves it. He's got a plus twenty six percent expected goals for the, this past season. On offense. Jesus. Yeah. And he was like positive. He was a positive impact defensive player too. That's ridiculous. 
Yeah, like so, and granted, so 2020 and 2020, or the year before, was nowhere near as aggressive as the negative, slightly negative offensive player, slightly negative defensive player, and then every other year in his career, he's been a very, very positive offensive player. 16.5%, 14.4%, 18.2%, 9.6%. Never been like, been just kind of mixed defensive results. Just been okay defensively, but he's so good offensively, it doesn't matter. Yeah, 100%. Um, all right. And he's you... somebody who oh, probably look sorry. a lot better. He'd look a lot better on a real team too. That's the other thing too, right? It's not, there, right? yeah, it's not like he's playing with the greatest line mates. Yeah. Um, who did you have at 19? I had Claude Giroux. Okay. Yep. That's fair enough. Again, I had him just on the outside looking in. I had him about 25. Um, and I, I really want to have him on the list. It's kind of funny. You are much higher on basically every sense player feels like when we come to this <laughs> list than I am. And I know. I think part of that is I do try dock sense players. So I'm not being, I'm trying not to be biased and maybe that almost works against them sometimes, but like Norris this year, Giroux this year, um, last year, I remember you were higher on Shabbat than I was even, um, yeah. Stone, even Mark, like Mark Stone, even after he was a Sen. Um, it's, it's, and even Carlson, you held on to the Carlson hype, I think a little longer than I did. Yeah. And I but, will, I will tend to hang on a little bit longer. That is kind of funny. I find it's easier to notice the warts of players on your team. Like the average Leafs fan thinks Justin Hole is way worse than the average just hockey fan kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. And, and like, it's just one of those things too, where it's like, I think, you know, like, especially even like Josh Norris, I love him as a player. I'm just, you know, I'm also not, I don't need to be out here. Like he's, if he's 20 versus 25 on a list, that's not actually a huge change. But people yeah. will freak out if you have him 20 as a sense fan versus 25. Yeah, just missing or just but, on or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Cole Giroux. I mean, I think this is right around the right area for him. He's right around that 20 range. Um, I'm going to be interested to see what he does in Ottawa this or how they use him in Ottawa this year because, like, there's an argument to be made, obviously, with if age curves go the way we expect them to, that he's their third or even fourth most important winger after this season. But, like, Right now, I think he's undisputed their second best winger. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. He, uh, what I'm excited for him in Ottawa is I don't watch a ton of Philly games because the past few years, life has been way too short to watch Philly games. Uh, he has amazing underlying numbers still, but he has the reputation of a passenger. And from everything I've heard, he's like that. So it'd be really interesting to see if he is as big of a passenger as he's kind of billed as. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, like, obviously he got stapled to Couturier's wing, I think, a lot. And that really helped him. And, you know, we both had, I mean, this year we had Couturier a little lower just due to injuries. But you had him 18 and I had him as an honorable mention due to injuries still. Or, yeah, an honorable mention, I want to say. Yeah, he was my first honorable mention. But, like, last year when he was healthy, you had him 9, I had him 11. So, obviously getting to play with a player like that is, you know, can be huge. But, um, yeah, I'm very curious to see you know, what he does with a guy like Stutzla as well, because I think, you know, he can shine with a guy like that where Stutzla flashes a lot of skill and Giroux's going to be able to find him the puck, I think, quite often. And um, on a power play too, that I think his points might be able to take even more of a bump this year because I think Ottawa's power play has the potential to be a lot more dangerous than Phillies was for a good part of last year. Between Debrinket and Norris, there is significantly more shooting, which is weird to say that going to Ottawa is a huge increase in somebody's shooting talent. But, I mean, new team, I guess. It it absolutely is, right? 
Yeah, I mean, we were talking about this in the group chat. I don't know if you saw the other night, but it was Cam who was saying, like, he's like, not going to lie, I think people are probably sleeping on the Sens a little bit. Their top six is really, really good, and it is. So Yeah, and their their depth defense is still kind of bad. You know where I bet you people are going to sleep on the Sens next year is fantasy hockey because that power top power play is going to be disgusting. Yeah, like, one of – like, Stutzla might not be on the top unit, which sounds insane. Yeah, he probably shouldn't be. Brady it just depends. Goes... It depends how much. Yeah, because Brady's going to be the net front presence. Yeah. Drew, Debrinket, Norris are going to be. Drew's going to be the passer. Or the passer. Shabbat's going to be the top controlling the blue line. And then yeah. Norris and Debrinket are probably going to be the trigger options. Yeah. So. Is Norris a lefty? Uh, yes. Okay, that's good. Because. Yeah, because Debrinket and Giroux is both righties. Yes, he is a lefty. Yes, he is lefty. Yeah, because um, flip the hands on that yeah. there. But yeah, like, so there's, you know, like Stutzla might be on the second power play unit. Yeah. The, yeah, which he'll, is, he'll have the William Nylander and Friends power play two experience. Yep, yeah, exactly. Which, you know, for Ottawa, I think it, it'll still be okay. You know, they can probably do something like Stutzla, Branstrom, or Sanderson when he gets ready or gets that ice time. Um, Formanton will be on that unit probably. Uh, Batherson will be on that unit. So, like, they're probably going to have two good units, to be honest. I'm like, I'm yeah. God, I'm so excited. Okay, we're getting off topic here. Drew, very good player. That right around the uh, range, I think he should be. Yeah. Um. So, my next two guys are guys I have kind of very similar to Meyer and Cairo, but just a few years older. Uh, Kevin Fiala comes in at 18 for me. Okay, that's a good one. He's... uh. He's the closest comparable to the player I have at 18, I think. Who do you have at 18? Willie. Okay, I have Willie at 17. Okay, yeah, that's, yeah. that sounds about right. Fiala yeah. is like, another guy who I kind of left off, but again, Fiala, Nylander, Kensel, they're all the same player. Yep, exactly. And like I had a hard time ranking them. Uh, Fiala I put just ahead of Kairou and um, Thomas because he's had – the point totals were a little higher for him. And part of that was he just stayed healthy this year. He played all 82 games. Um, but also we've seen the underlying numbers from Piala for a couple of years now. Like, yeah, you since a lot more certainty there. Literally, since he started in Minnesota, and even when he was in Nashville, he was a bit of an analytics darling. So I feel confident knowing that he is, even if he's not a point per game player in LA, he's probably going to be a 70, 60, 65 point winger who controls play very well. Exactly. And then for all the people who hate the Ovi thing, look at Fiala's point totals compared to Ovi and then note that one's average-ish defensively and one is horrific. Yep, like Fiala had five less points than Ovi. And the only reason, like, people still cling really hard onto Ovi because goals, he had 50 goals. Yeah, But, like, he's still so bad defensively, I just, I can't overlook it. Yeah, and goals aren't actually more valuable than... uh and primary assist. That's something that a lot of people say and it confuses me. Yeah. So, um, and then, yeah, William Nylander. So I had him just a spot above Fiala. And the reason for that is he has done, he's had the points a little longer than Fiala, I would say. Yeah, he absolutely has. And like, we've seen the, we've seen William Nylander run the most efficient power play unit in the league. He doesn't have to run it anymore. Obviously, he will never get the chance again as long as Matthews is in town and that good. But that's so big to me. Yeah, but they are like very, very similar players in terms yeah. of like 
where they rank in points, you know, even just this year, like, and, and the goals above replacement, they were like almost identical. Nylander at 20 or Nylander over the past two years is at 20. Fiala's at 17.5. Like um, yeah. even just their point totals, like Nylander's been a 60 point winger over his career, went 61, 61, 27, 54. That was that contract disaster year, 59 and 68. So basically a 60 point season. Um, 42 and 51 again on pace for just over 60 point or probably about a 70 point season there, and then 80 points in 81 games this year. Fiala, um, little less than that, obviously, but he was a 50 ish point winger for a while and then jumped up to 85 and 82 this year. So, um, yeah, very, very more. similar players, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, all right, who so I had Nylander at 17. Who did you have at 17? I had uh, another guy. The exact same player. You had him as a center, Reinhardt. Reinhardt and Nylander are two of the OGs of these guys are the exact same with Fiala-ish. Yep, that's uh that is very fair. Um, yeah, I had him as center, so he won't be on my list. Um neither will Pavelski, who I had as a center, and uh JT Miller. I think you had him as a center, and I was considering him a winger. I just decided to leave him off the wingers list because there was already too many names. But yeah. He should probably be on the top 20 centers list or right near the bottom of it. Yeah, somewhere around there. But uh, yeah, no, Sam Reinhardt's another good one. We talked about him last week a little bit too, where it's like, I kind of dock him as a a centerman because he's never really had to drive his own line or or like drive his own team or anything like that. He's always been like the second guy, but also he's been really damn good as that second guy. Exactly. And he can get docked less for that as a winger because generally wingers are less likely to have been guys who drive their entire team yeah exactly so um yeah no i, I love sam reinhardt i think that's uh that's a very good comparison as well yeah all right uh 16 i have uh i got you had his honorable mention uh, i have patrick kane okay. i debated putting him right with that ovechkin honorable mention tier i yeah. think yeah why kane over Ovi? that one's interesting to me so kane has still just had such dominant point totals for so long that I had a hard time truly bumping him down. Like, yeah, and that's fair. And even, Kane is still way better offensively at five on five. Yeah, and that's the other thing too. And he's had a lot. Like, he's played with good players. Like, DeBrinket's a great player, but his team's been shit. Yeah, like the Washington power play has still been great for years. And obviously, Ovechkin's a massive part of that. But well, like, John Carlson no- does not exist on the Hawks. Literally, and has not for a number of years. Even, like, Nicholas Backstrom really hasn't existed on the Hawks. Yeah. You know, like, so that's that's why... Pardon? Oshi in front of the net, like... Yeah, like, literally, right? Like, um... Or, I think he plays the bumper, but whatever, yeah. Yeah, so that's why I still have Kane. He's still, over the past two years, is ninth in points in the league, or among forwards, sorry, um, and... I believe probably he is still 10th in the league then I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it's probably like McCarr that might have more than him and he's sixth among wingers. So I just, I had a hard time truly bumping. And he had a bit of a down year in terms of his personal points this year. And obviously his defensive, like I, I still think most people probably have Patrick Kane as top five winger if you ask them. And I just, I don't think he's that by any means. And, yeah. but you know, like it's funny, he had a quote unquote down year in his points. I said this year, he's still 92 points in 78 games. Which is ridiculous. Yeah. So um, I, I just think, you know, I'm kind of giving him maybe the benefit of the doubt where if he does, if we do see him get flipped at the deadline, I, I really do think that if he gets put in a better situation where 
he's maybe playing second line minutes, kind of like a, what Drew might be doing this year, or, you know, what he was with Florida, where if he's in a, a situation where he's not asked to do everything, I could see all of his numbers improving, but his point totals just still being godly. Yeah, that would be the big thing. Have him as a passenger and see what happens, right? Yeah, exactly. Or just, yeah, not having to take every single hard matchup, which, you know, teams are obviously throwing at him because he's him and Debrinket were the only threat in Chicago. Yeah. Hell, give him like a John Tavares level center who's like the 25th center in the league. Mm-hmm. It would be crazy to see. I would yeah, exactly. So that's why I'm still holding on a little bit with him at 16. Um, he could, like, I don't feel super confident about a lot of that. Like if anywhere from him down, I think you could kind of move any, even the few guys I have one or two above him. Uh, honestly, no, I think this is kind of the cutoff for me where it's like him down. And then I feel pretty confident about the top 15 in some order, but still. Yeah, that makes sense. Mine, mine tears, everybody, Nylander and below are all completely interchangeable. I think, I think Reinhardt is Nylander, but he's been a little bit better for a while. And so that kind of starts the next year. Yeah. Um, who did you have at 16? At 16, I have another guy who's just William Nylander, but slightly better for a while. Uh, Nick Ehlers. I have him at 15. Okay. And the Ehlers dropped so much for me, and I have no idea why, because he was great. But just a I lot do- of people had ridiculous years. Yeah. I just, I think there's just a lot of people who just had better years, unfortunately. Like, and again, that's not a slight on him. Um, no, he's still fantastic. He's still been the exact same player he thought he was. Just the offensive explosion has been driven by a lot of wingers that came onto the scene. Yeah, he didn't get the exact – he didn't get the big points boost that a lot of the other wingers did. He just kind of stayed the same as that good just under point per game winger. Yeah, which was probably mostly due to opportunity. But still, you got to see it to believe it, right? Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, like he's a phenomenal player and – um, yeah, and for a while it was like it looked like him and Nylander were the exact same players. Um, I remember me and you would always have them. You know, we did two years ago. I want to say we did this list, and we had them back to back. Ehlers one ahead of Nylander. When we did the ranking the Canadian division wingers, it was just the wingers in the Canadian division. We had them right side by side. Last year we had them a bit of a gap though. I, we you had Ehlers at eight, I had them at nine. You had Nylander at. Uh, 16, I am at 50. So, yeah. you know, um, we had a bit of a gap, and that's kind of the same this year, obviously. Uh, I have them at 15, you have them at 16, then you have Nylander at 18. I, or Sorry, um, yeah, you have Nylander at 18, I have them at 17. So a two-player gap um, for both of us here. Um, yeah, I, I'm curious to see what Ehlers looks like under a new coach. I really hope that they ride with him and give him a lot of opportunity. Yeah, because if he gets – legit like number one forward ice time i think we could look at the guy who randomly scores 100 points now i'm yeah, not sure they're gonna that. do that but still yeah it takes that massive jump forward yeah it would it would be cool to see at least give him a shot it's not like they have anything else to do in winnipeg no the rest of their forwards have just been boringly bad anyways yeah so yeah no i i, I definitely agree with that um all right who do you have at 15 at 15, I have a guy you would have the center, Joe Pavelski. Okay. Yep, that's that's fair enough. Um, this is so probably right. Just amazing. He's so good. Like, it's crazy that – and because he was, like, a good player. We, we talked about this last week, too. But, like – or, yeah, I guess, yeah, last week's episode that came out yesterday, if people are listening to this probably now. But he, like, was a good player throughout his prime, too. But he still somehow peaked even later? Yeah, probably. Like – 
this is partially an age adjustment. Purely statistically, he was better than the 15th best winger in the league last year, I think. Yes, I would totally agree. You know, like yeah. I had a or the past three years, like pick pick any sample you want. He's been amazing. It's a pretty common conception that there's probably, you know, like centers are more important than wingers, right? Item is 12th best center. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, that makes sense. So um, yeah, like I, I think adjusting in age and you know, trying to project a little bit, I, I definitely think 15 is a is a good range for him. I, I like I think there's probably an argument he was top 10, but there we do get some really good names. Like there, I, I don't know if it's just because of the scoring explosion this year, but there's some, like I had a really tough time with even, I have a guy at 11 where he was top five for me last year. And I still feel like he has the potential to be that. He just had a down year and so many other guys had good years. Yeah, I know. I know who's that going to be. I, have I don't know if you do. I have two guys right. actually. I fully, I have two guys to be honest. Okay. All yeah. Right. It'll be but, interesting to see. Um, yeah, like Pavelski, he's an, he's an amazing player and, you know, he's been the only reason or one of the only reasons that Dallas team, I shouldn't say the only reason because I have another Dallas winger on this list, but, um, that the Dallas team has been a playoff contender. Like, yep. Yeah. He's that line, right? Yep. Just, exactly. There's only three players worth caring about in Dallas. Yeah. And then maybe, you know, if you're really want, like watching high school and play defense, that's sure. Yeah. But, oh yeah. I forgot about high school, but yes, you're right. Yeah, so all right, so there's a 15 through 20. Um, so I have Ehlers 15, Patrick Kane 16, Willie Melander 17, Kevin Fiala 18, Timo Meyer 19, and Jordan Cairo 20. Uh, you have Joe Pavelski 15, Nikolai Ehlers 16, Sam Reinhardt 17, William Nylander 18, Claude Giroux 19, and Jesper Bratt at 20. Let's get into the top 14. Uh, I have Pavel Buchnevich. Oh shit, I forgot about Buchnevich. <laughs> second year in a row i have him on the list and you have him off of it i think you might have forgot him last year to be honest too he no, is actually, also you an honorable mention i guess last year okay he is also to me in that nylander ehlers reinhardt glut of players yeah i um i debated having him right there as well um he... i kind of forgot how good he was last year he was very, very good. Like he, he did exactly what everyone thought he was going to do when he got more op- opportunity in St. Louis. Yeah, goes from a yeah. guy who had forty-eight points in fifty-four, forty-six points in sixty-eight games, and forty-eight points in fifty-four games with the Rangers, seventy-six points in seventy-three games with St. Louis. Yeah, every time a third-pairing defenseman gets uh, gets some increased minutes, things don't go well. People are like, "Well, lol, um, that's proof analytics don't work." For every one of those, there are multiple guys like Bushnevich who just are ex- exactly who that we thought they were. Yep, and like even better than it wasn't just his uh, like un- or his actual numbers improved. His underlying numbers were freaking insane last year. Yeah, they got better, and he was great defensively on a team yep. that could not drive play to save their life. Yep, he was like an um, insane play driver. So. Um, again, I don't know if that's a one-off. I wouldn't be surprised if he's not quite that good at driving play next year, but like he did it this year. And considering every point of data that we had pointed to him being at least a player somewhat like that, I'm just inclined to have him on the list, you know, as a guy who can do that. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. I'd probably put him somewhere between probably above Nylander if I mm-hmm. was to do that off the top of my head. 
Yeah. And it's funny too, because I say he had a better season. I mean, I think he did than last year, obviously. He dropped three spots on my list from last year. Yeah, just because there's there's a couple of ridiculous breakouts at the top end of the wingers. Yeah. And like obviously we're gonna have guys like Goudreau and even Matt Kachuk. You know, I didn't have Goudreau on my top 20 last year. And I will and I get to it when Kachuk. we get to that. You didn't have Kachuk, you had him just outside. And um, you know, Goudreau, you had eleven, so, which I'm Willing to bet he's going to be a little higher this year, but yeah, well, that's, that's <laughs> another funny one. Like, Goudreau didn't have a quote unquote breakout, but you know, a guy playing like an MVP again, you know, rise up these lists. Yeah. Um, all right. Who did you have at 14? Okay. I got to flex this. Apparently, about to Chuck, and this is from Alex for those listeners because he went back, obviously. I said last year that Matthew to Chuck was one. William Carlson level shooting bender from being like the best player in the league. I think he had, you know, that kind of on ice goals jump. This is more of a projection than anything because there's no chance he's been better than guys like Ehlers up to this point, but Andre Svechnikov. And I think he's the best Matthew to Chuck bet in the league. That's a, yeah, I, I think that's fair. Um, so I left Svechnikov off my list. He was, about like he was the one he was the one that missed the honorable mentions cut so 26 for me um i really i really want to have him on this list i really did yeah like I he's, just he, he is worse than Ehlers at the moment but i i think he's got the potential to pop yeah like and and we've been saying this for a couple of years too because like we i we listened back to the svechnikov conversation last year because you forgot him and i had him at 12 and you're usually very you've been high on svechnikov for a number of years now and it's kind of the same thing where it's like all the tools are there. He just needs to put it together for the point totals. Yeah. And again, it's like a Matthew to Chuck thing. You start to see it and it's like, oh, well, the guy hasn't done it for like six years. It's probably not going to happen. When they're that young, it still very well might happen even if you have four or five years plus of data on them. Mm-hmm. And like the defense of Svenchikov is definitely, hey, he's still only 22. Like, which is crazy to think about. He was a, he's, his birthday's not until March as well. So like he has a young birthday. So he's already played four full seasons in the league and he's only 22. And I'm saying he needs to have the point explosion. The dude still had 69 nice points in 78 <laughs> games last year. It's not like this guy wasn't scoring. He's just like, I think his ceiling is so high that he can be like a, like a 90 point player, even yeah. maybe a hundred. Yeah, even though that's not his true talent, a Tuchuk level one-off 100-point season is definitely in the cards. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I, I like Svechikov a lot. I just – I had to leave him off a little bit. His um, – I mean, he drives play pretty well. He doesn't play defense particularly well, but he drives offense incredibly well. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's a crazy good offensive player. But, yeah, I just – you know, I just want to see him take that extra step and then – but but I do agree where I think this is – you know, he could have a – year next year and i'm looking back at my list like i did this year going how the hell did i leave goudreau off my top 20 yeah yeah i think, I think it could be the, the same thing with sveshnikov so yeah uh all right 13 who did you have i had one of the ones i think you, you might have been talking about i had jonathan huberto oh no i am higher still okay interesting oh. okay so Hirudo was fantastic last year and fell, which was interesting to me. I think I just became more, and this actually might even be unfair to Hirudo, but I became significantly more aware of his defensive warts 
through no fault of his own, but through fault of people on Twitter deciding he was better than Austin Matthews and Johnny Gaudreau and Connor McDavid last season, which was absolutely not true. Yeah. Um, yeah, like the, the hype got way too out of hand for Huberto last year. Yeah. And he is who a lot of people think like a the Kane, Ovechkin, Kyle Connor player is at this point. Yeah, and you know he he's had bad defensive results basically his whole career now. Yep. Yeah, we can accept he's a he's a bad but not OV level bad defensive player. Yeah, yeah, he's not been like atrocious. He's just not good. Yep. Which is um, to be it's a worthy trade off, but still. Yeah, so I'll admit I had him in the same spot I had him last year, six, okay. and the re I it's probably a little high, but the reason I did because he's just been consistently a great player for a couple of years now in terms, of, especially in terms of points. Yeah, he is clearly a ridiculous driver of on ice goals, and he's not a power play merchant either. No, like he had 115 points this year. Yeah. Because usually a guy like Huberto, who's awful defensively but has crazy good point totals and is probably a little overrated, is a power play merchant. Huberto is not. No. And, like, it's been like that. So he had 61 and 55 last year. That is uh, a pace of 90 po- 91 points. Uh, he had 78 and 69 the year before, um, which is a pace of – 93 points he had 69 92 and 80 so a 92 point season and 69 82 so the past four years he's been on a 90 plus point pace every single year yeah i, I think, just like uh, i think i'm too low on him relative to the two guys i have right ahead of him and so i'm wondering if you're gonna have the two guys same two guys right actually i, I don't know It'll, it's gonna be interesting so i have to bring it 13 Okay, so Debrink is one of the two guys I have ahead okay. of him that I don't think I should. Yeah, yeah, I would say Huberto's better than Debrink just because of the raw point total. Like, even just, like, like 115 points still, especially when you're not, like, 85 assists is just crazy, no matter how you put it. Yeah, and it's the nonlinearity thing, too, right, where Huberto's a 98th percentile offensive player or whatever when Debrink gets like a 95th but that the gap is bigger than it probably sounds because of how ex- how aggressive the differences get at the extremes yeah um yeah so Debrink and I have 13 again a guy where like I'm so excited he's on my favorite hockey team now because yep. he's 24 years old like he's only 24 well an age I'm- did play into it too. Yeah, like, wow, for sure. Like, I think if you're projecting, you could say, like, in a year or two, Dabrinkit could absolutely be better than Huberdo, who will be 30, and Dabrinkit would be 26. Yeah. But I I love Dabrinkit so much. The more, like, tape I get to watch of him and just, like, highlights I see, oh, I'm just so excited for this year. His shot is so deadly, but he's not just a shooter either. Like, he's an all-round good player. Yeah, he is, like, average to above-average defensive results, which is why I originally put him above Huberdo. Um, I actually, now that I'm thinking about it, to trade offs worth that I would rather have Huberto at least today, but mm-hmm. still feathering to bring its cap that Huberto does not have. Yeah. But um, yeah, and like to bring it, he's a good like playmaker too. Like he's not just a shooter, he can move the puck when he needs to as well. Um, yeah. You know, like he's just, he does it all. It, like, or, you know, 
He does a little bit, very a little bit of everything very well, and then shoots the puck like a madman. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I yeah, I am so excited to watch him for eighty-two games this year. I could not be more thrilled. Um, again, this is a guy who took a jump on both our lists this year. He was seventeen for you, eighteen for me last year, thirteen for me this year. And do you have an eleven or twelve? Uh, to rank it, yeah, eleven. Okay, eleven. So. That leaves our 12 spot open then. Who did you have? I'm wondering if it's the same player. Okay, now I'm thinking it's the same player. Are we Panarin? No, I have a 10. I have a oh, okay. oh, man. Uh, do you have, have there? No, I have Stone. Yeah, I didn't. Pasta? No. Pasta is, he's, he's coming up though. I have Robertson okay. at 12. Okay. So Robertson, I wanted to bring up relative to Huberto. So I'm glad you have him right here because I have Robertson above Huberto. Okay. So let's do Robertson then. When do, where do you have Robertson? I have Robertson eight. Okay. So I was wondering if – I was, Robertson was a tough one for me. So the reason he, he got docked a little bit on my list, I think – like I think eighth is a reasonable spot. I just – we haven't seen – he's another one where we, we haven't seen it for a, a super large sample compared to other guys on this list. Yes, and that is the main thing holding him back because from what we have seen, he's a Huberto-level offensive player who's not bad defensively. Yeah, like if if he does exactly what he did this year again next year, he will be, I think, pushing almost top five. Cards on the table. Um, so in the centers, the top tier is obvious, and it's only two players. I have the top tier of wingers as eight players and Robertson is the eighth where I'm like, I really don't care if you think this guy's one. I could believe you. I, I still had a pretty clear one this year. Okay. That's interesting. I also, it's not nowhere near as strong as a feeling as the centers. I think there's, you can make an argument for sure for guys like Robertson where you just can't make an argument for who do we have eighth and center this year. I, I, I we, we both had I or sorry point. Uh, yeah, you had point. I had Markov last yeah, year. Later. Like they're they're not McDavid and Matthews, or no, they're like, not in the same tier. They're great players, but they're just not there. Yeah. Whereas, like, yeah, for the wingers, like even the guy I have at eight, you know, we'll get to him in a second, or we'll we'll get to him in a little bit. It, it's a fair enough, like, yeah, if you want to make the argument, especially on any given like three months, I could absolutely see it. But, um, yeah, so with Robertson, it's, yeah, he's one where it's just like, we just haven't seen it quite enough. Um, And he's easy to forget about because, again, nobody cares about the Dallas Stars, who isn't either a Stars fan or a full-time hockey analyst. Yeah, exactly. Like, you have to be a massive hockey nerd to care about the Dallas Stars. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, Jason Robson is an amazing player. And that's why I was like, I, he was one that I tangled with where I had him at 12. And honestly, again, I think the next two players I had above him, I think had he had a much better or a better season than for sure. But he just, the other two guys have had such a long history of being better that I couldn't put them above him. Yeah, that's fair. It's it's tough to balance the sample size with somebody like Robertson. Yeah. Um, so and then so especially because he wasn't a crazy good prospect. If he no, was like he, second he overall kinda... pick, it'd be like bucket. He's like seven. We're fine with that. But it's a little sketchier when it's a guy who's uncertain coming in. Yeah, second round pick, 39th overall. I wonder what happened that 2017 year that he fell because it's 
junior year is wild. Was it? So I've never run prospect stuff for that year. So I don't so actually he goes know. 2016 like. 17 in the Kingston Prime Max. He has 81 points in 68 games. For your draft that's not, year, that's that's pretty good. That's good, but that's not like crazy. So the next year he goes 87 points in 68 games with Kingston. He then drops a casual 117 points in 62 games between Kingston and Niagara. Jesus. He and had, then he's almost point per game in the AHL that next year. Yeah. He had 79 points in 38 games with the Niagara Ice Dogs. That is, wow. I mean, like, granted, that is his D plus two year. He should, like, if you're a good player, but like, we've seen plenty of players in their D plus two year not do that. Not do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then goes 47 points in 60 AHL games. Uh, and then first is rookie season, 45 points in 51 games. So, um, yeah, no, this is another guy where it's like, I absolutely think he could be top five next year. And yeah. I wouldn't blink an eye. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So you had Panarin at 12. I had him at 10. This is right in the range I thought he should be. Um, so some people, I, I mean, maybe not people who listen to us as much, but if this is the first podcast you're listening to us, A, welcome. But B, I think people are going to be shocked that we have a guy who had a quote unquote down year with 96 points in 75 games this low, <laughs> especially because we were both very high on him last year. Last year, we had a clear, when I listened back, we said we had a clear top four. That four was some order of Kucherov, Stone, Panarin, Marshan, and then Pasternak was a clear five. And then guys like Huberto, Ranton, and Marner Ehlers were a tier below that. Um, you had uh, Panarin three item two last year. Um, I debated, there was an argument in my opinion to drop him even further than this, but he still had a really, really good point totals and B this is the first year he truly didn't drive play. So I'm willing to give at least the benefit of the doubt for one year. Yeah. There's a strong chance it's a one-off. I selfishly hope Panarin is the new power play merchant because as interesting as the Kane and Ovi and Kyle Connor debates are, we've been in desperate need of a new winger like that to argue about. And if it is Panarin, or if Panarin's still a 90-plus point guy with horrible defensive numbers that struggles at 5-on-5, five five, it's him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it, it will be him. Um, you know, he was god-awful defensively. Um, he's still a really, really, really good passer, to be fair. Yeah. Um. So why he can slide into new cane so beautifully. Yeah, exactly. Like his, like according to hockey biz, he's like plus 18% on passing or like setting up players, which is just insane. Probably like top four in the league. (laughs) Yeah. Kane's like 19% or something for context. And I'm pretty sure Kane's top of the league. Yeah, exactly. So like, he's still an amazing passer and like those point totals will be there for a number of years, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see can his five on five play equal it a little bit because like, this was an outlier season defensively for him. Yeah. Like yes, he's the, everywhere at five on five. Yeah. Like, so if we're looking at isolated five on five impact this year, he was plus 5% offensively, but uh, plus 15% defensive, which is bad, right? You want to be negative defensively. Um, yeah. You know, like blue is good. Um, last year he was zero defensively and zero offensively, just a net neutral basically. The year before that, 2019-20, which is his first year at the Rangers, plus 9% offensively, minus 4.4. So, like, he was good defensively. 14.2% offensively, minus 2.7. So, again, above average defensively. 8.5 offensively, just at zero average defensively. 
plus 7.9. Now we're getting back to his Chicago days. But the point is, he's basically always been a positive forward and either roughly average defender or slightly above average. This year, he was a very negative defender and above average forward, but not to the degree we've seen him every other year of his career. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which... And he's at the age where it could be age-related decline. Or, and, you know, defensive numbers are noisy. It could just be pure randomness. And we're looking back in the year being like, wow, why the hell did we doubt this guy has been good for six years? And that's the thing, right? So I, I had him at 10, and it was sort of the reason I did 10 was because last year when we had Eichel, um, we, we put him at – or sorry, I guess we did eight. This year I had Eichel. I put Eichel at 10 as well because I didn't know what he was, but that was because of injuries. With Panarin, I just don't know what he has, if this was an outlier or not. But I was like, he's been so good for so long before, I can't drop him below that, just personally. Makes sense. Yeah, it's he's a, he's a really difficult one to rank, especially right now. Next year is going to make him very easy to rank, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. He's gonna either get... going to be, I think, in the honorable mention tier next year or top five again. Yep. So Yeah, because if he's just a power play nerd, merchant, there are plenty of wingers who can produce similarly, like we've said with Obi, uh, who don't need to be power play merchants. So, yeah. So I have my 10, 12 list. I don't have 11. This is, this might piss a lot of people off. I have David Pasternak at 11. Okay. I have him nine. Okay. So it's actually not as bad as I thought. He just did not have as good of a season as I thought he did. No, he's a he's another guy. He was good, but he he dropped despite kind of being who we thought he was. Yep, he just, just he didn't a take God the jump. Tier shooter. Yeah, he he didn't take the jump that other people did. No, he didn't. And Which it's was becoming surprising because the whole Boston that unit massacred people. Yeah, and, and like he was, still... he'd be the beneficiary of that on the score street. He still had seventy-seven points in seventy-two games. He was not bad by any stretch of the imagination. But yeah, he just he just wasn't quite the tier that you know. Like he really felt like I thought him and Marshan would sw- switch switch spots by now, but it hasn't happened. Yeah, and then it'll be interesting too. I think the biggest thing for Pasta will be once Bergeron leaves, because I'm not sure anyone in the entire league has a better context than Pastor now. Mm-hmm. A pure offensive player who plays with maybe the best defensive forward of all time and a god tier all around winger. Yep. And they Plus did split them maybe up more. the best defensive defenseman in the league plays with them all the time. <laughs> Literally, that's the thing, right? Like it's not like the defensive line is brutal. They're getting Charlie McAvoy for a bulk of the minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah, like they did split them up more this year. Um, but yeah, like if you just don't have him at all, it's gonna be interesting. Um, again, like his isolated impacts have all been fine. This year was a little more of an outlier in terms. Well, not an outlier. He's gone from good, bad, good, bad in his defensive impacts over the past couple of years. But he just he wasn't great defensively and was not as good as he's been in the past offensively at times as well in terms of creating his own play. But they also don't need him to be that right now because he's the trigger man on that line. But exactly, and he's going to be a tough one to isolate defensively because of Bergeron and the collinearity mm-hmm. there is going to make everything really difficult. For sure, one hundred percent. So, um, wow, okay, I'm glad I didn't. I wasn't. I I had him at eleven. I was like, this just feels so wrong. Yeah, but, yeah, I had him nine, and I was like, mm, 
We had him like, go five last year with a bullet. Like we thought there was no way he could go up, no way he go down from what he was just last in terms of last year's rankings. Which he has he has a lot more certainty than a lot of people. So that that makes sense. But you know, some guys just passed him. Yeah. Oh, sorry. And like when I say that we thought there's no way he can go, I just mean in terms of like purely where he was last At year. The moment. That's what he yeah. was. He was fit. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Uh so I believe I have my 10 and down announced now. I have Panarin 10, Pasternak 11, Robertson 12, Debrink at 13, Pichnevich 14, Ehlers 15. You don't have your 10 yet, but you do have 8 and 9. You have Robertson 8, Pasternak 9, Blank 10, Debrink at 11, Panarin 12, Huberto 13, Smetchikov 14, uh, Pavelski 15. And I have Huberto 6. That's already been announced. Um, yeah. Who do you have at 10? At 10, I have marginally better Sean Couturier. In a lot of ways, actually, especially with the missed time and the way they play and where the results come. Marginally better, but a winger, Mark Stone. So I didn't dock him quite as much for the injuries. And I did this definitely might be some bias, but I've also been heard on this a couple of times in the past. I still stone up at four, and I'm just clinging on to priors for that purely. Okay. I mean, there's definitely a world in which Stone plays next year, and we're like, yeah, he's he's still Mark Stone. He might even be one. Yeah, so, like, I basically threw this entire season out for him. And, again, you know, if he has another season like this next year, you can't do that two years in a row. Even when he played this year, he was so clearly battling a bit. Like, he missed a bunch of time, then came back trying to play injured to help them through the get to the playoffs with that injury. And then when it came clear they were going to miss, they're like, no, we're shutting you down for the last 35 games of the year. And his results were still good. Yeah, exactly, right? Like, you still have him at 10, like – I wonder if, let's say he comes back and he's like a god-tier player again. It's going to be really annoying ranking him statistically because he's going to have that Hedman thing where he missed time. I don't think Hedman actually missed time, but Hedman played the full year hurt, so the results just look not as good as they were. And It might be annoying with Stone having the same thing if he he bounces right back. Kucherov was a similar thing this year where he, he missed like 30 games this year, but he didn't play a single game last year either. And it's just like, well, what do I do with that? Because he looks so much like he's ranking like 30th among wingers and goals above replacement, but that's because he didn't play a single second last year. Yeah. Because how, how could you possibly exactly but, play? Yeah. So yeah, for Mark Stone, I, I think, you know, the, this is fair. Again, if you told me that if, if he's hurt again next year and if his back just unfortunately derails his career, I, I wouldn't be shocked or anything like that. I was just, I didn't want after one bad year and not even bad, like he was still good, just not quite Mark Stone level after like four to five, five years now of seeing him at just like top five winger, top three winger level. I, I just, I wasn't ready to bump him down quite as much. Which is pretty reasonable. He, uh, he could be in a lot of different places here. Yeah. And, and I think the biggest thing for me too, is that his underlying numbers are still good. He just didn't maybe have the point totals either. They weren't quite as strong. Like his 2018, 2019, 2019, 20 seasons were just silly. They were so gross. They were ridiculous. And you're never going to top that hurt for obvious reasons. Yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, so that I, I had him a little higher. But again, it's purely based because I mostly th- I threw most of this season out. And it's one of those where it's like, okay, I'm going to give him the one year. But that's a defining factor. You know, if he has another year like that where he can't really stay healthy, he might be closer to 18, maybe even honorable mention on this list in terms of like what Pacioretty was this year, where it's like, yeah, I like the player, but he can't stay healthy. 
I could see that. Another comparable would be like Gaudreau, where I had him last year. Mm -hmm. Yep. We're looking and he's like, we're like, ah, no, it's obvious at this point. He's way better a year later. Or, you know, if Gaudreau was bad this year, I think he'd be honorable mention at best. Yeah. Yeah. If he was just like a 75 point winger or whatever, he would be at best honorable mention. Yeah. Um, All right. So we both have our top tens. You have all the way up to eight. I have my six and four announced already, but then I don't have uh, nine or eight announced. Number nine, I have Kirill Kaprasov. Okay. I have him six. I have him in the tier where he could be one, and I, I would I would accept it. Yeah, like I'm honestly at that tier already as well. Like, I, like even Panarin at 10, if you told me he's the best winger next year, I'd be like, yeah, if his play driving numbers <laughs> bounce back, I can see it. Yep. Yeah, it's he's, just he's it, definitely in that range. It's so volatile with wingers because it's just so hard for them to make as big of an impact on the game year to year, I think. For sure. But um well, you know, I, especially at the top end, there's just no winger close to a McDavid or a Matthews or even a McCarr, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and it's just hard for them to control the game because you're not in the middle of the ice, right? Like yeah. And um, that's why I have such a glut near the top. It's not a shot at the wingers. It's a compliment to McDavid and Matthews and McCarr. Yeah. Or just head and shoulders, knees and toes above everybody else in their position. Exactly. Um, yeah, with Kaprizov, I think maybe I have him a little low. I, I think six is maybe a better six or seven, maybe is a better spot. I have nine. I part of it is just, you know, he had he's had a great year this year, 108 points in 81 games. Absolutely amazing. Um, he didn't drive play, you know, quite as well as maybe a couple names above him. Like he wasn't bad at it by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but you know, he also wasn't like completely elite either, if that makes sense. Like he was just very good at most areas. Um, he is a very Pasternak-esque underlying. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Where it's like, he's above, like he's a, for RAPM, he was above average in every single metric, but shooting was the one he was very above. Like he was lower than one standard deviation for four. Uh, for four of the metrics, and then goals four per 60, he was two standard deviations above, right? So, Which makes sense, given his shooting and passing talent. I just give Kaprizov a bump over somebody like Pasternak because of the his line mates are obviously far worse. Yep, and I agree. Like, I had Kaprizov slightly above Pasternak as well. Um, there was just a couple other guys. And, and again, like, I think two of the guys I have a, ahead of him, and even Huberto at six, to be honest, if you told me next year, especially with Kaprizov's age, if you told me next year Kaprizov is ahead of Huberto, I'm not going to bat nine. No, no, not at all. Especially, like you said, with the age thing. Yeah, it's because he's three years younger, right? So, um, you know, it only even honestly makes enough sense if that happens. So, um, all right, we are – what time do we start? We are getting a little long. We're about an hour, 20 minutes here. Uh, let's keep it moving then. Uh, so I had Kaprizov nine. You had Pasternak nine, Robertson eight. I have Matthew Kachuk eight. Okay, I have him seven. Okay, so pretty close. Um, yeah, I I was a bit higher on Kachuk last year than you. I had him at 14. You had him just off your list at honorable mentions. Um, I go back and forth where I just – I want to see him do this again for sure is the biggest thing. Like this you was – so you know, much better than most years. Is to people like us, Kachuk is going to have a very similar year to this year. And everybody's going to be like, oh, what a huge disappointment. Because he's back at 70, 78 points or whatever instead of 104, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, 
yeah, that's why, you know, like he had a phenomenal year this year. And same with another guy who I'm pretty sure is going to be on both our list here still. Um, but like, I just like, this was the first year he really broke out with points like that. And I mean, his underlying numbers were just as good though. Like he was just a great player. Um, the, the one thing, I don't know if I dock him for it maybe, but uh, I still question a little bit. It's just like, and I don't think we're going to get this answer because he's still going to have unreal teammates in Florida, but that line was so good. How much, and we, we said the same thing with Lindholm. It's hard to, you know, kind of separate him and Goudreau. Yes. Especially because his, like we've seen Goudreau be a heart candidate without to Chuck playing alongside him to Chuck's heart ish season happened to come at the same time as Goudreau's. So I think the default is to give a little more credit to Goudreau. Maybe yep. time will tell that's stupid, but that's the way I'm thinking about it at the moment. Yep. That's kind of also the way I'm thinking about it. And I also have Goudreau at seven. So I have Matthew Jack eight, Goudreau seven. I put him very close. Um, yeah. I have wants... Goudreau five. So okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So like, and again, and same with Goudreau where um, the reason I have him a little bit ahead is we've seen it, but um, you know, it, it looked crazy. He's seven. He was off my list last year. Um, you know, he was still 11 for you. You bet on him bouncing back and you were definitely right to do that. The reason I had him off the list for anyone wondering last year, I defended at the podcast. I'll still defend it at the time to be, or defend it now, to be honest, he was coming off two seasons back to back where he had 58 points in 70 games in 2019, 20, and then 49 and 56 in the bubble. And yeah, the shortened season, um, you know, he had the MVP 99 point season in 82 games. And then was just two years where he was a fine player, but not great. And I said in the podcast last year too, which is funny, you know, I, I'm really enjoying going back and listening to some of these podcasts because some of the quotes stick and some of them don't. Uh, one of the ones I said was who knows, maybe Calgary has just been such a shit show the past two years. It hasn't really been his fault that his stuff is dipping and maybe a full year under Sutter will help him. Man, that's helped. Yeah, yeah. a full year under Sutter certainly has seemed to help, right? So um, I don't, again, he's going to be another guy where even if he has a great year next year, I don't think he's going to have 115 points, um, no, especially just playing, you know, like he's not going to have a line mate as good as Matthew Kachuk in Columbus. No, or even close. Even like, like I don't, is he, he's not going to have an Elias Lindholm level line mate. <laughs> well, is that's he? what I was going to say. At least for point totals, like line is a significantly worse line mate than to Chuck, but he might be able to finish enough of your shots that it evens out at least for points. Yeah, that's true. That's a good... home versus like Boone Jenner or <laughs> like, that's going to be bad. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. All um, with whoever your other winger is not going to drive play nearly as well. As Chuck too. Yeah, like if you're you might be hoping on like a Kent Johnson to go do what Kachuk did. It's like, yeah, have fun with that then. Ooh, yeah, which is awful. Yeah. Um, so but yeah, like Goudreau, again, great player. He's now gone MVP season, two that were kind of not awesome, and then MVP level season again. So I'm really curious to see what his uh, next couple of years have in store as well. He'll be a fun one to watch, yeah. Yeah. So all right, so we have your top four left. We have my top three and five. Uh, Stone was four for me, but I think we've gone through, if anyone forgot, so I had Panarin 10, you had Stone, I had Kaprasov 9, you had Pasternak, I had Matthew Kachuk 8, you had Robertson, I had Goudreau 7, you had Matthew Kachuk, I had Huberto 6, you had Kaprasov, uh, you have Goudreau 5, I have one Mitchell Marner at 5. 
Okay, so I'm a little higher on moderate than you. Um, one spot higher or multiple? Just two. Okay, three. so three. Interesting. That's that's right. I mean, like, I think to me there was an obvious an obvious enough one. I'll state my case for it when we get there. An obvious enough two that I'm gonna. I wasn't that passionate heading into making this list, but after looking at everything, I'm now passionate that he's number two. And then you could put three through eight to we, 10 in any way you really want. We might have the same one too. I'm interested to see that. But for Marner, um, again, like he had a better year than Stone this year, hands down. I'm just giving Stone a bit of the benefit of the doubt in terms of how long he's been good for, uh, in terms of doing everything right. But for Marner, like if you're a Leaf fan, you can't ask for anything more than what he did this year in terms of regular season success. For sure. Marner is, I'm going to maybe expose who I have once spot below here. Marner's new Marshawn to me, where he is a well over point of game, ridiculous offensive winger, who is also good defensively and a fantastic penalty killer. And that is a very rare archetype. Yeah, absolutely. So I had Marshawn three. Um, so we so I just flipped him because of age. Marshawn's been better the past three years, but I'm thinking Marner's just younger, right? And and that's fair. So I wasn't really projecting. I was just kind of saying who's been better right now. But I think if you're projecting, again, it's a smart enough bet to say the guy who's 10 years or eight years younger or whatever it is, is going to be better. And if they weren't so similar statistically, obviously they achieved the statistical results in very different ways. But like the high level statistics are the exact same. They're good at the exact same things at similar degrees. Although, for what it's worth, Marshan's first in war among wingers the past yep. three years. Yeah, by a good margin. Yeah, oh yeah, like uh, evolving hockey really likes him, and that that's part of the reason I hit him up at three too. Uh, in terms of over Marner, is just that his underlying, like his goals above replacement, wins above replacement numbers were just so strong over the past couple of years. Because I used a two year sample, and it was the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah, it pretty much doesn't matter. I think you can even make it like a five year sample, and he still won by a bit. Yeah. So um, the one thing that's really impressed me about Barner is defensive numbers have just been, especially isolated, have just been really strong over his career or like, like good. Like he's just been above average defensive player and sometimes like a much above average defensive player as for a winger for a while now. Exactly. And that's, again, we get to the Ovi comparison where people still think Ovi's like a top 10 player. Like Marner might not be a top 10 player, but Marner can outscore somebody like Ovi and be good defensively. People use the bad defense. Ah, well, they're good at offense, like a magic eraser for guys like Ovi and Kane. People like Marner and uh, Marshan prove it doesn't have to be that way. Ooh, Marner scored him by seven points this year, despite playing five less games than Ovi and is way better defensively. And in transition, exactly. like Marner, you can give the puck to and he'll skate it up. Like Ovi doesn't even have that skill constantly in his repertoire because he's just, he's 37, he's turning 37 this year. Which again exactly. is fine, but people act like it's some slight when you have Ovechkin at, uh, you know, like twenty-two instead of fourth. Yeah, which is it's it's obviously not because again there are people like Marner who exist who can put up a hundred points and not only be good defensively at five on five but kill penalties. Yeah, exactly. So um, yeah, and then so for Brad Marchand, obviously underlying numbers love him, um, and again, like I think the one argument against him is. How much can you separate with him and his centerman? But the same can be said with Mitch Marner, I think, at times as well. Like, he's his two centermen have been 
Johnny Goudreau, a guy who built a career off of building wingers up, and then Austin Matthews, who is the second best player in hockey today. So yeah, you can't hold the center against either. At this point, everybody on this list plays with ridiculous talent. Yeah, that's the other thing too, right? Like, there's no one on this list that we're like, oh yeah, their linemates suck. Because I know we're gonna have the same two names next, and I think we might even have it in the exact same order. I'm kind of thinking we do too, but but it's gonna be they play on the two best teams in the league if they are who they, we are they, thinking of. They just matched up in the Stanley Cup Finals. Yes, um, exactly. All right, let's go two first. Did you have Kucherov or Randon? I had Ranton in two. Okay, I also had Ranton in two. Okay. So purely statistically, I think there's a, even an argument for him to be one. And that's mostly based off Kucherov not playing much of the regular season the past two years. But for sure, Kucherov has been so effing good in two straight playoffs now. And like he was dominant in the regular season this year when he played too. He just didn't play quite as much that I could not not have him one. Yeah, I didn't want to have Kucherov one, but again, like you said, every time he shows up in a game matters, he scores. Literally. And like, like so I can, okay, well, let's do Kucherov first. And then, because Ranton is an interesting one as well. So like Kucherov, I had four last year because I docked him points for not playing the entire regular season. You had him one because his playoff was so damn good. And you were correct because he did the exact same thing this year where he played 50 games, still had 13 goals above replacement, which I think ranks like 30th among wingers in the past two years, but he didn't play for one of those years. <laughs> and then put up another point per game effort in the playoffs again. He's played a season's worth of playoff games in the past three years and scored well over a point per game in them when scoring obviously drops. Yeah. In the playoffs over the past uh, three years, he's played 23, 23, and 25 playoff games. So, uh, 71 playoff games. In those times, he's had 34, 32, and 27 points. Like, so that's 93 points in 71 games in the playoffs. It's, that's insane. Like, and That's, he's the, good in the most infuriating way, too, where, where he's kind of like Pasternak on steroids. Like, you're watching him play the Leafs, and you're like, yeah, he's been good, but whatever. And then the second you say it, he's either got a primary assist or just scored. He's like, yeah, well, he either goes end-to-end, makes some dazzling move to set up a guy wide open on the other side of the net, or just snaps home three wrist shots from on a power play and then two, two even-strength goals. It's like, well, okay, thanks. Yeah, or he sucks two guys in on the power play and then – Stamkos wide open for a cross crease one timer or something. Yeah, exactly. Like it's to the point where like like his isolated five on five numbers. I mean, offensively he's still a god, but he's been like bad defensively for three of the past four years. Well, sorry, three of the past four years he played because he didn't even have the regular season numbers for one of them, and it just doesn't matter because he's so good offensively. It really does not matter. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It's gross. It's disgusting. So, yeah, he is one. Um, and, again, like, I just, like, I wanted not to have him one, but I was like, how, how can you look past what he's done in the playoffs? You, yeah, you can't. Especially with this sample size now, too, right? Because we always talk about, yeah, it's a small sample size. I mean, 23 games isn't even, like, it's not a massive sample size, but it's not nothing. Doing that three times where you have, not, like, 70 games, like, that's a full season. And, obviously, it's not the same time, so it's not quite the same as a full season, but, like, it's just, it's so much hockey still. 
Exactly. It's just more. Yeah. And it's so consistent the whole time, too. It's not buoyed by one of them. It's the exact same thing each of the three postseasons. Yeah, it's just 30 points in 20 games every point, every postseason. Ridiculous. Gross. So yeah, he's one. Ranson in two. This I I I'm gonna be honest, I did not expect this when I came in. Did not expect this. And you know, I knew Ranton had a good season. I think I had him as a sleeper on my heart palette uh, when we did our awards this year because I thought he was that good. My God, he's just like, he's been unreal. So he's been second in goal or wins above replacement for all wingers or all forwards, I think. No, sorry, wingers. Um, over the past two or three years as well, Brad Manchin has been the only one ahead of him. Um, you know, like his play driving numbers have been absolutely insane. He's great defensively. And this year he took another step off uh, forward offensively to where he was elite offensively as well. And he's done this, you know, obviously uh, his teammate or his line mates are amazing. You know, Nathan McKinnon, Gabriel Landis, God, not exactly bums. They've missed a decent amount of time and he's carried that line without it. Like he made, obviously not made, Kadri had to help as well, but Nazem Kadri had like a 90 point season this year. And I think a lot of that is going is thankful to Miko Ranton that he's not getting the credit for. For sure. And Makar missed time. They're the Avs are like the new Penguins. They sign a deal with the devil where somebody is hurt at all times, mm-hmm. even though they have this like gaudy hockey team. Yep. And like he had a quote unquote disappointing playoffs, I would say this year, especially like the first two rounds, anyways. People were like, oh, Rantman really hasn't done much. He had 25 points in 20 games this playoff series or this playoffs. Fantastic. Yeah. Yep. But like, and then like that was still with a disappointing first two rounds. So, <laughs> yeah. um, yeah. I just like he's just so good at every aspect of the game that I, he's, you know, like I think he's he good defensively. Yeah, exactly. Like he's yeah, he's, like he's not like a selkie winner or anything like that, but he's just very strong defensively, and that's all you need when you're that good offensively. Exactly. It's. 100%. The uh the only thing I've ever seen bad the unexpo- the unexpected points uh model I made didn't like him and it attributed a little more of the credit to Nathan McKinnon than uh he gets via RAPM but Nathan McKinnon's so good I'm not exactly going to hold that against you. Yeah, exactly. And like I still do think that might have been the case for a couple like when he had 87 points in 74 games 3 years ago. I do think that was that might've been more McKinnon driving the bus, you know, even sure. like 84 and 81 in 70 and 18, his underlying numbers weren't very strong back then, but like, well, and that could explain a lot of why McKinnon's results aren't quite as good as you'd expect for third best center in the world. So if you give some of that credit there, Rantanen still ends up as two McKinnon three. That makes sense. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, now it's flipped where, you know, the point totals aren't as like 92 and 75 isn't much more than 87 and 74, but his underlying numbers have been so much better that it makes sense as to why he's taken that massive gap or step up from like two years ago when we were doing this list, he was 15 last year. He was that seven ish range. I want to say, and this year he's, he was two with a bullet to me. I was very confident putting him number two. Yeah. Two's a good spot for him. Within like reality, of course, like you can make arguments for everyone, but like I was, I felt good about putting him at number two. I could defend that take. You can very easily, you could defend him one. Yeah, exactly. So um, that's our list. Uh, I'll go over it real quick. I had Kucherov, Rantanen, Marshan Stone, Marner, Huberto, Goudreau, Matthew Kachuk, Kirill Kaprasov, Panarin, Pasternak, Robertson, Dabrinkit, Buchnevich, Ehlers, Patrick Kane, William Nylander, Kevin Fiala, Timo Meyer, Jordan Kyrou. You had 
Kucherov, Ranton, and Marner, Marshan, Goudreau, Kaprizov, Kachuk, Robertson, Pasternak, Stone, Debrinkit, Panarin, Huberto, Svechkov, Pavelski, Ehlers, Sam Reinhardt, Nylander, Giroux, Brat. So again, pretty similar lists, especially as you get close to the top, which makes sense. As you said last year, one of us is probably doing something a little wrong if you have a guy at seven I don't have on my list, or I have a guy at even 10 you don't have anywhere on your list. For sure. They should be somewhat related at the very least. Yeah, and then once you get down to the the 15 to 20, that's where you're going to start seeing some different names float around. So um, this one went pretty long as well. It was about an hour and a half podcast. Let's wrap it up, Chase. Um, Anything you're working on that you want to promote or just actionnetwork.com? I got an RAPM model for the playoffs running, so I'll probably be doing something with that in the next little bit. I don't really know what, though. So check that out, actionnetwork.com is where you can find Chase's work, uh, CMHockey66 on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at NHL Sins and stuff, and uh, last word on hockey.com is where all my writing will be at. Um, I'm going to try and get some more Sens stuff going this month. I will definitely have one in early September, signed up for a series idea. I think it's their best and worst uh, um, free agent signings of all time. So um, honestly, cool I'm going to – yeah, exactly. Uh, so that series will be starting for every team, I think, in August. So – uh, starting with Anaheim, Arizona, those A teams up there. Um, so, yeah, make sure you're checking that out daily on the site. And, um, yeah, if you want to find my other podcasts, it's the Last Word on Sends podcast. You can listen to that uh, wherever you listen to this. So, thank you everyone so much for listening and uh, let you know, let us know what you think of our list. Do you agree, disagree? Where would you have people? Um, you know, we always, we always love to hear the feedback and the dialogue. So, thank you everyone so much for listening. And we'll be back at you next week with the top 20 defensemen. <laughs>